This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 115, the absolutely real, super important, 100% 2019 huge SCPT faction tier list. Leave your disagreements at the door. Hashtag nailed it. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Matt, let's start with how was 2019 as a year for you? Uh, was it good? Was it 2019? Neat? Okay. Do you remember last year at the end of 2018? Yeah. Everybody was like, worst year ever. And like 2017, everybody did the same thing. And 2016, everybody did the same. Like for three yeah, years yeah. in a row, it was just like, a, oh, nothing can get worse than this year. No. 2019 broke the cycle. 2019, 2019 was, fun. was a good year. It was First fun. off, a lot of good movies in 2019. Yep. Lot. Well, that we're not allowed to talk about that no, yet. No, I know. We that's a different be. thing. But I'm just saying, good movies to watch. We had a great year. It, we had it, a fun year. I mean, I do want to say, for the record, it was a baller year yeah. for movies. Yeah. And I ain't even seen all of them yet. <laughs> Uncut Gems, I'm looking at you. Yeah. When am I going to get you in me? <laughs> I still haven't even seen Knives Out, and that's going to be just like absolutely my jam. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely seems like your type of movie. <laughs> I'm just excited that 2020 is a new decade and that we get to pretend like nothing else has existed before it. Because as soon as you're in a new decade, it's just like a whole thing of like, well, this is a new decade, so right. whatever. Right. And for you and All I specifically, are we are in that we are in that age group of like the new decade is also a new decade. Like I'm, I turn 30 tomorrow. Yeah. Not at the, I'm already 30 now when you've heard this. No, but, but we're... But, but we're recording the day of my birthday party and yeah. then tomorrow i turn 30 <laughs> and i'm having a birthday party <laughs> what are we doing for your birthday Tell we're everybody. doing a hot ones challenge if you've never watched the show hot ones it's the best show on youtube and uh they interview celebrities and make them eat progressively spicier and spicier wings so i'm gonna hurt all my friends i'm hurting all my friends by making them eat incredibly spicy hot wings and like, yeah, that sounds like a playful idea or whatever, but I do, <laughs> like, it is going to be weird, and my prediction is that someone is actually going to get upset and or annoyed. And yeah. my second prediction, it's probably going to be me. It's probably going to be you, and I hope that one person throws up. Yeah, so I hope one person, like EJ, I hope EJ pushes himself too far because he's got a competitive nature, and he's going to throw up. God, I hope you all have enjoyed the steady stream of actual live in-person video content because... <laughs> I am so much going to miss yeah, be like I've been in Arkansas basically for the entire month of December and we got to play so many games yep. in the flesh, yep. not over TTS, and uh, I miss it. I probably yeah. I probably need to move home. Um, Sounds like a good idea. To yeah, me. that's that's what you want. You're <laughs> down with that. Um, but yeah, so what do we got today? What are we going to do today, man? Well, today, as the very long intro indicated, right. we've got to do the absolutely real, super important, 100% 2019 huge SCPT faction tier list. Leave your disagreements at the door. Hashtag nailed it. Yeah. So we're doing that. That's the important thing we do at the end of every year or the start of every year. What, when, what exact date does this episode come out? Beginning, we're already in 2020. Well, we're not, but... Well, the, but we are. Well, how about this? I welcome you to 2020. Welcome to 2020. And, and me and Matt have... We, me and Matt went <laughs> we're into not the ready future. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we prepared it for you. Yes. Just so you know. Right. We, we, we got it ready for you. Here's your 2020. <laughs> 
we made this for you. Yeah. Um, and part of us making the new year and the new decade, when we just got it started, we didn't finish it, but um, is giving you an update on where exactly right. every faction in Twilight Imperium is yeah. on the competitive tier list. Yep. Now, a lot of people are going to listen to this and they're going to think like, oh, cool, I should like put in my opinion and they're <laughs> wrong about this. Well, uh, no. That's where you'd be wrong. Yeah. We hashtag nailed it, <laughs> just like the action card episode. Yeah. I'm bringing this one back. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite bits. Good um, so yeah, this one's all good. Uh, no worries. <laughs> so now we present it to you. You're well. You're welcome. Yeah, you are welcome. Um, obviously, uh, if for those of you that don't understand sarcasm or jokes, uh, <laughs> uh, I am joking. If you disagree, let us know. We always love that. Yeah. We 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 want to talk about. But we it, won't but... take your opinions especially seriously with this one. We'll, well hear them. Just... We'll hear them, and we will put them on the show. But also, we won't agree with them, probably. Right, and also we've already done it. Yeah, we've already nailed. Oh, well, it. let's talk a little bit. Let's 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 let them see how the sausage is made. Yeah, how because this is 100%. we already did the goose thing, so they get how the sausage. Yeah, the yeah, goose yeah. Sausage is right, made. and no more meat talk <laughs> for a little while. Um, but how did how did we make? What was our deeply scientific um, process in making this for sure? Well, Correct, the important the, the the first step was we did have actually a criteria, which the the criteria for this year was it is meant to be a competitive tier yeah. list. Whereas yeah. maybe previous years were just like in for general playing or like for fun, you know, what's just like what's the most fun faction to play? This is a we are assuming all six players at the table are playing a ten point game and they good. are all very, very good. Every game is a finals game level of right. all the players. Right. So how do the factions stack up against that? Yeah, uh, and then Hunter and I, in within five minutes, both farted out a list, mm-hmm. and then we punched our lists together and talked for a little bit, and right. then this is this is where this is what we came up with. There were compromises, there were disagreements. Yeah. Um, I I I went the wrong way with some Barony and L1 stuff, and, and Matt I, set me right. I, I was a little harsh on X-Chai at one point, and we yep. brought him back a yep. little bit. I yep. threw a chair again. God, yep. confound it. Yep. If you wouldn't believe it, I just We're can't sitting on temper. two very broken chairs, <laughs> uh, because that's what Matt does. Um, but yeah, do we want to start? we want to go for Are it? Are we going to start from the top or from the bottom? What's like more dramatic? I think starting... Neither, neither of the bookends of this list are dramatic. Yeah, a, a faction list is never dramatic on the front and the back end because everybody knows what the good and bad factions are. Well, we can't start in the middle because that's insane. Well, I don't. I know. won't do it. No, <laughs> I won't do it. Um, how about this? We'll give you the tier, the tiers first. Yeah, sure. Just, just what, what, how many tiers we made? Um, there is a. Uh, I'm going to call it double S tier. Yeah. Um, which uh, we've labeled as the factions that have obvious victory tools. These yeah. are tools that are just. Almost always going to lead to victory or give them some sort of chance. Always, yeah. um, we have a S tier, one S tier, um, which you wrote synchrony. Well, what does that mean it's A tier is natural objective advantages. Yeah, right. And as this S tier fits between the obvious victory tools and the natural objective advantages. All right. How about we instead of synchrony, we call it synchronicity. Yeah. By the police. Synchronous with me. Um. <laughs> whoa, that's a weird. That was a weird pull. Um, <laughs> B tier. Uh, we ha- we have a B tier, uh, which we've labeled just reliable abilities. Right. They have abilities. They don't always lead to victory. But at in high good level players' play. hands, you're gonna do well with them, yeah. and you can find victory. But I will say this: they all feel they're like good, but like a little bit out of sync with yeah. the end state of a ver- of a high level play game. Right. Uh, C tier. Uh, this is 
C tier part one, I yeah. should say, yeah. um, is called Underdogs. This is the really exciting tier, I think. And then C tier part two, uh, which we've just labeled, there's something wrong. Yeah. This is for factions that we feel like should do better in high level play, and they don't, and we don't exactly know why. Yeah. Like we're we're and we have ideas and, as and to why, Underdogs is almost the opposite. So really, we we had a big C tier list, and we were looking at the C tier list and going, there's two different stories being told here, and they don't make sense to put together. But also. Because it's such a swinging group, I can't say that one is better than the other. So the underdogs right. are bad factions that do well, and the something's wrong factions are good factions that don't do well in competitive play. Right. And those two things are not necessary. I don't know which one wins more often. Right. I mean, we kind of know which a couple of them win more often, but but even then, it's it's not a reliable information. Yeah. And then our final tier is the F tier. Um, these are factions that we consider have a major hurdle towards yeah. them having any success. Um, obviously, any faction can win a game of Twilight Imperium right. for sure, uh, outside of maybe one. Um, <laughs> but all 16 of the other factions have a shot. Yeah. But these are just factions that we think the hurdle is is major. Right. If you overcome that hurdle... Then things Maybe change. Maybe you can yep. win, and, and that's a great thing. But that's, right. it is a requirement to, to succeed with it. Let's start back up at the top. Yeah. I want to talk about double S tier. Double S tier. This, this is like a Japanese fighting game. Sure. Double S tier yep. Ultra Turbo Max. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Turbo tier, SS Turbo. <laughs> um, one thing I want to say is also that we, uh, we loosely... Um, ranked within the tiers, so we're yeah. give them to the to you in the list that we consider. Like we consider right. this one one, but two, three. Don't take that crazy seriously. Obviously, no. How about you do? How okay, about you sure. do take this it crazy seriously? Definitive. We nailed that it. Way, Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. No, don't don't yell at them. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but I do think it would be fun. I you know I just if you have. <laughs> I like doing this bit where we pretend we don't want any feedback, but I also do, do want feedback. Specifically want the and feedback. like, if you want to tell us why these next three factions in are the double S tier different are, from each but, other, but even <laughs> yeah, sure. those arguments I'm, lead the I'm, case. I'm, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, t- at the top is the winner of last year's SCPT Patreon tournament, the Nalu, the Nalu Collective. And it's not just because they won last year's tournament; it is because the Nalu Although that helped. That helped. <laughs> that certainly helps, and it helped prove the point of when. Everything else is even whenever when it's a top tier level play, and everyone is perfectly competitive. Nalu's advantage is obvious. Yeah, Nalu just will then get to win the game because of the initiative advantage. I think the zero token is the best ability in the game. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, last year's game, last year's finals game was a twelve and a half hour long slog of six players that perfectly knew how to thwart each other at every point, and the main reason. Nine of Spades pulled out. And he had great play. I'm not discrediting Nine of Spades' brilliance. He did amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, lots of players had a chance to win in the end. And Nalu is in the prime position to always make that happen. Yeah. Speaking of the finals, go watch that on YouTube. Yeah. But also, somebody watched that like for the first time yesterday oh, really? and commented <laughs> and was like, yeah, this was... Um, fun and good and I, I there was a lot of that i liked about it it's really long though you know like it's really really long i just want to be clear i don't have control over that right um but also you should expect there will be long games in the tournament yeah, this year sure. i don't and, i won't be surprised if this year's finals are equally long yeah um, our format kind of necessitates long games i mean the the moderating slows things down and right, i will i will right. stay i will hold to that i am thinking about honestly from this guy's comment the other day mm. this person's comment i should say i have no idea but uh i think splitting the finals this year into two separate days might be smart 
I know I'm just throwing this at you all of a sudden in the middle of an episode. I'm about to throw this chair. I No, I really think that that would be... Think about it. The finals, we do the first three or four rounds. We stop. We 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 meet. Go back ahead and up. send us your errata on this new idea I, hunters no, giving I, me. <laughs> imagine that though. You you you're in the middle of this event. high level game, maybe, maybe. and you get to go to sleep yeah. and think about it and come back into the mid game with a fresh mind. You freaked me out. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. It, it's just this is a freewheeling episode. Yeah. Uh, next up is. The, the next best obvious victory tool, which is the Clan of Star. Right. The, I mean, and it, it, it literally does just come down to the fact that their home system doesn't matter. So you can't, like, if they get the ball rolling, which a good player will, right. there's nothing you can do to stop them. If, right. they are, if they are heading for victory, you have no tools at your disposal to thwart that. Yeah, their economy plastic advantage is literally unmatchable. Yeah. There's no way for you to have... More stuff, right? Basically, now a bad SAR. I, I think there's going to be plenty of complaints about like, well, but SAR, SAR can like. There's certain scenarios where SAR pushes too hard in the early game. Like that, that's a fear with a lot of tables where SAR is more just a nuisance than they are great at the game, right? In the early, in the first two rounds, they like try to swallow up someone's slice, and then things maybe fall apart because they get too much heat. That's true, but a good SAR doesn't fall into those traps. A good SAR plays just as steady. And only incurs all of that plastic advantage. Yeah. And then in the end, has chaos mapping, has stuff parked in an asteroid field that you are not allowed to touch, and their home system doesn't matter. And what do you do? That's always the question at the mm-hmm. end. Is like, what are we even supposed to do to stop SAR? I think it goes... I, I think a lot of people that are really competitive with Twilight Imperium would probably agree that most of the time, SAR is just, like, not allowed right. to be played. Exactly. Basically. Uh, like, basically... Nobody wants to play with them yep. because they are so... It's not even that... So they have all these obvious advantages, right? But then there's all the weird stuff you can do that borderline feels like you're breaking the game. Right. And, like, not... Absolutely. Things like the the SAR space dock stealth bomber yes. stuff. Yeah. I'll never forget just that... Just avoid PDS fire. Just don't even have to worry about it. And just drop ground forces yeah. on a planet without Insane. incurring anything. Insane. Yeah. Um, and just to call out... We haven't talked about this guy in this game in a really long time, but Gen Con Joey's game yeah. uh, in... 2018 was some of the wildest stuff I've ever seen in Twilight Imperium. Yeah. And it was all just SAR with, it was like SAR with light wave deflector <laughs> and it was space stocks that could invade any home system yeah. without, and just bypass every, everyone's defenses. Right. It was yeah. completely wild. Madness. A, a SAR on unhinged is, is the scariest thing at the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last, we have three factions in the double S tier. The last one is, you predicted it. It's Jolnar. Jolnar. Um, Jolnar is something I wouldn't mind putting in a lower tier because the difference with Nalu and Sar is the the two tools they have, the zero initiative and the they don't lose, they, they can claim points without their home system. Those are obvious victory tools. Yep. Jolnar's obvious victory tool is the accumulation of everything. Yeah. It's, it's E-Res Siphons is the biggest one, and I'll plead that case, which is just that in an endgame scenario, Jolnar has... E-Res Siphons, and you have to f- decide between trying to take their home system and giving them four trade goods, which, oh, turns out is going to lock in 16 resources for mm-hmm. them. So then if you fail to take the home system or if they manage to take it back, you've only given them the win. There's so many times where that's a thing, where you have this, like, catch-22 with Jolnar of you 
what are you supposed to do now? We've already let it get right. out of hand. Right. Or they've got the f- two tech and four colors locked in, and nobody else is even close. Yep. It's it's just all the raw components of the game. It's it's tech. It's money. Yep. It's plastic. It's all the things mm-hmm. basically. With with their only disadvantage being, you know, their dudes are bad. Right. Like they're. Their actual infantry. They're, they're, they're Everything sh- it shoots worse, but I will say the biggest thing that knocks Jolnar for me that I think is a genuine hurdle that has to be overcome is that bad infantry. You, that's you what I'm talking suck about. Suck at ground yeah. combat. Yeah, yeah I'm, talking sure. about, I'm talking about their dudes. So that's the one thing that like makes me nervous to put them in double S tier, but we just see it too often. No, that they but crush. smart players can yeah. get around smart it. Smart players know how to deal with that, yeah. and so it's, it is a non-issue. Yeah. Um, and then that is the end of our double S tier HD Turbo remix. Um, <laughs> now we have a just a single S tier. Um, which we just labeled uh, synchronicity, mm-hmm. uh, synchronicity by synchronicity. the by the police, uh, <laughs> and that only has one faction in yep. this tier, and that is Soul, right? Because Soul, we didn't Soul. It feels like has gotten a bit of a demotion yeah. over this year. I wanted to put Soul in the A tier. I kind of wanted to like stick it to Soul. But yeah. When we talked beforehand, like they they obviously still have amazing, great things that right. keep them in contention, pretty much in every single game they're in. But they're not the the thing about the thing that separates Soul from these other three factions that we've already talked about is that it is there is a, a there are Achilles heels yeah. to it. It's it's essentially they have a lot of advantages that are all very good, but they are not like unstoppable. Right. Whereas these other three factions that we've already talked about. Their advantages are just difficult to get around. Right. Like it's a, a Jolnar with Eras siphons. It's hard to even not. It's hard to avoid giving them all yeah. of the stuff that they're going to get. Right. You just kind of like you're like, well, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Nalu with the zero. It's like, well, we can't get around right. that aspect. The fact that Sar doesn't care if you take their home system. These are things that you can't do anything about. Right. Whereas Soul has great advantages, but you if we play right, deal with it. they can be dealt with. Yeah, absolutely. It's very hard to deal with it. Yeah. But it absolutely can be dealt with. Right, right. And it, and it feels like their advantages still lean further than our A-tier factions. Although, although our A-tier factions are pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, if uh, I would say if somebody you know, puts in an errata saying like, well, soul should just be in the A tier or like maybe even lower. I hear you. I'm not, yeah. you know, but we did hashtag nail it. Um. <laughs> uh, let's do our A tier, which is our natural objective advantages, right? These are ones, these are all factions that they don't have this like ridiculously clutch tool, but mm-hmm. they're just good at doing the things that you're supposed to do in Twilight Imperium. Right. And, that, and, and by that, I mean very different from factions where, you are accomplishing all the things, but you are kind of stretching yourself to do it. These factions, right. none of these factions have to stretch yep. to accomplish uh, objectives. You yep. just kind of do them. Right. Uh, and at the top of that, we have put Necro, Necro, which if you'd asked us a year and a half ago, is Probably Necro a top that. tier faction? We, I don't think we felt this way at all, but we've just started to see that the the plastic economy, the things you can do with them, the way you manipulate Necro is such a big deal. Um, that they you, you turn them so intensely into an A tier faction. Yeah, I think. It- I think it really just comes down to there has been like a sea change uh, in like how people play Necro. And I I mean, I'm going to throw a lot of credit towards Magi sure. basically for kind of being like, this is the style of Necro, but it, it it's not just Magi. Right. We see people play this way all the time with Necro now where there's kind of the economy of the faction yeah. has been like optimized right. essentially. Right. Well, and it, it took it, it took a few players pushing that idea of like breaking down those economies to, to really get our heads wrapped around like what makes Necro so good. It's kind of the same thing that happened with me 
with Soul at the very beginning of the game. With right. Soul, it was like, well, they look like they have good stuff, but I don't, I don't know what makes them like a perfect, amazing faction. But then you see what it takes to win games, the things, mm-hmm. the, the resources you are supposed to have, and then you get to look at it again and go, oh, Soul has all of that. Right. Necro feels the same way, where it's like the things you need to do to be able to win the game, Necro has that. Necro has fighter screens that are ground forces that don't have to sit like they or you just put your flagship down and you have this ridiculous screen they can just turn they don't need influence as much as anybody else so they get to ignore an entire component of the right. game if they want to they can their just command focus counter on economy pl- like yeah the fact that they can focus on resources and their command counter economy never gets in their way yep. while at the same time they can if they're smart research more tech than everybody yep. else outside of the general ecosystem of tech yep. and then also get it like the idea if if we could go back in a time machine to the last time we did this and like say things like, oh, you know, if you think about it, Necro can get tech a lot cheaper than everybody else. Right. I would have been like, well, I don't know about that. They yeah. have to like fight. And it's like, well, but if you're picking the right fights and you're yeah. being smart about it, you can you... make it cheaper. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just the reliability that people have demonstrated with like, oh, mm-hmm. Necro can perform this well, this consistently. Right. We, I mean, a year ago, we never would have thought that. Yeah. But now it just seems obvious, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, next up is the L1Z1X. This one was... L1 is so weird. We have a weird history with L1. Because, I mean, in our very first theoretical tier list, I was like, oh my gosh, L1Z1X sounds unstoppable. Right. Harrow just scared the pants off of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't seen it be, like, that amazingly incredible. But it is still good. Everything about Necro is still very good. I mean, right. I said, I said Necro. L1Z1X is still very good. Harrow is an ability uniquely designed to help you take planets, which helps with control objectives. Right. They have an amazing start because their dreadnoughts have two infantry, which means, I mean, two, two capacity, so you can move that 2C4I around like any other faction could with the added benefit of a sustained damage dreadnought that you can upgrade to, you know, not have direct hit be a problem. They just have all of these natural advantages that you can you can then upgrade to make even better advantages yeah and i would say uh their their tech situation is just really easygoing yeah their start is fantastic their home system is very good Mm -hmm. um i the five is a little bit annoying early game the fact that it's not efficient but besides that like l1 just kind of l1 is just such a good like meat and potatoes Mm -hmm. type faction I would say their only real counter is Planetary Shield, basically. Right. That's the only thing that kind of nullifies their abilities. Yeah. And that basically nullifies everybody's abilities. Right. But then it's funny that essentially Planetary Shield is a problem, but then if they can overcome it, they get to steal PDS. Yeah. I mean, they take it from you and, and, and you're screwed. They're also, the thing about their abilities that I think maybe kind of like in a normal um, situation, like when you're playing with with not people playing on a high level, is that sometimes it's I think difficult for players to make the most of Harrow and assimilate. Yeah. Um, especially assimilate, I feel like uh, doesn't that doesn't happen often enough. Whereas when you see somebody that is playing with L1 and they're creative and they see those opportunities, uh, it's it's just really wild, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, if, if Jolnar was an, a double S tier faction that like you could make the argument belongs on a lower tier faction, L1 is the A tier faction that feels pretty solidly A tier, but you can make the argument that they, they are just like, they're just reliable abilities and not specifically natural objective advantages. But I just feel that they, that, that their natural advantages push them so much further that they can actually accomplish more. Uh, I would say the two factions that we see get played the most in our tournament. Um, mm-hmm. And even in mock tournament games, I've already noticed this, is L1 
and Barony. Yeah. I feel like those are the two Absolutely. most often because they're just they're just good at stuff. Dreadnoughts are the meat and potatoes yeah. of Twilight Imperium, and they are both the Dreadnought Rated factions, yeah. basically. But L one kind of over Barony basically has uh their their dreadnoughts start with more natural abilities yep. that are easier to expand upon. Whereas Barony's wild dreadnought abilities, the tech path is rough. Yeah. Um and it just feels like they're a little out of sync. Yeah. Um, we're not not that we're talking about Barony yet, but right. it's hard we'll to talk that. about L one without talking. Yeah, about you Barony. do have to compare them to kind of show what the, what the differences. You're they're brothers. About are. They're like they're yeah. they're really two sides of the same coin yeah. faction wise. Absolutely. Uh, the last one on our A tier uh, is the Emirates of Hakan. Yeah. Uh, and this one is interesting because there's two I think big points for Hakan, which mm-hmm. is Hakan in the late game with Quantum Quantum Dando Hub Node uh, is is a double S tier faction. Sure. When when they have that, they can just lock down the win and there's nothing anybody can do about right, it. It's right. too I'm sorry, you screwed up and, and there's a terrifying just win. potential basically. Um and if they spent the rest of the game like doing good trade, they're an A tier faction, right? right? They're just like, "Oh man, I, I made money. I was good around on the table. I have a good tech path. I was A tier." Hakan also has that issue though of if the table decides to the table can make you a B tier faction. Sure. Um, and I just think the biggest difference is in, in top, top tier play, we don't see that. We don't see people completely shut down Hakan because mm-hmm. good players know how to take advantage of Hakan. They know right. to trade with Hakan and make it decently even trades to help boost yourself up. So I think it's more like a, a B tier, A tier player that decides to shut down Hakan. That's right. how that's how you and I definitely felt uh, even like a year or so ago, especially within the first year of us having TI. We were mm-hmm. very much like, me, me especially, I was like, gut Hakan, don't let them get away right. with anything ever, and that does crush Hakan, but what you learn is that you didn't do anything for yourself, and right. that actually ended up hurting you. Well, and also, I, I mean, in the last year, we have learned so much about uh, the different style of players out there, and yeah. there are these, like, kind of, there, there are these, like, silver tongue players out there that basically, like, I can't imagine how you would shut them down. Yeah. Like, because there are six people at the table... There's no way they're not going to convince somebody right. to trade with them and make it worthwhile yep. because they're smart with their deals. And also, Hakan is one of those factions where, like, the more creative you are with their advantages, the wilder it can yep. get. Yeah. And uh, bonus points for being the faction that is at the leading charge of all uh, king slaying mm-hmm. opportunities. I right. mean, when someone else is about to win, Hakan is the one making like money or or distributing all the stuff to stop somebody else. They get to right. slow the game down right. to then put themselves in the winning position. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Hakan might be the wildest as far as I think your opinions that you could have on yeah. them. I think there are some people listening to this now that might be thinking like, oh, that's too low. And yeah. people thinking that that's too high. Yeah. Like, they are they are a very swinging faction Absolutely. depending on who's at the table. Um, but I just feel like consistently, especially thinking about the data that we kind of got from our tournament, the first year of our tournament mm-hmm. anyways, was that... There are a lot of people that know how to play Hakan very well, yeah. almost to the point where it's like, depending on who's at your table, you might be like, no, we need to ban Hakan because yeah. I can't risk certain types of players having it. Right, absolutely. Basically. So let's drop down into B tier. B tier is a, a step below. I would say this is our, our first big jump. Mm-hmm. Um, everything we've talked about so far, it was just like smaller leaps between each tier. Right. But going from A tier to B tier feels like you've really taken the you know pulled the rug out from under right, these right. factions in terms of how are they actually finding a win so these three factions have reliable abilities they can act, they they can do stuff but they don't have any things that just like obviously point to them winning games right um at the top of that and the one i make the least argument in that 
direction of is the Yin Brotherhood. Right. The Yin Brotherhood does have some control, a huge control advantages, the ability to take stuff from each yep. other. Yeah. But their faction tech sucks. Their tech path is mediocre. Right. Uh, their start is fine. Their home planet is fine. Like every, they're they're all over the place in terms of of like how they get going. Um, but finding a win for them is either they're not on the map at all or they're in that winning position and what are we going to do to stop them it's impossible right um i would say that the reason you know we've we've made this jump now we're talking about we're kind of in the middle now we're talking yep. about factions that are less than amazing yeah um and i think it's fitting that the first faction we're talking about is yin because the science of yin you know we've we've had a trouble a troubled history yeah. with this faction on the show but a lot of the good uh, play that we've seen um, on a high level with Yin has felt really anecdotal, right? And that generally, it seems like when Yin does well, it's a it's just a wild and crazy night. Right. It's just nuts. Yeah. Um. And I think they just have this funny list of abilities that if somebody's smart and they have them and they recognize an opening, it can be deadly potent. Yeah. Basically. Absolutely. But that those hurdles that they have to get through in order to make that happen are those are still there yeah, those still exist definitely you know what i would what i would define this jump as between the the top tiers and then now in this b tier and going below just looking at the factions we've already had so far everything in a s and double s tier their their abilities and stuff are free yeah you just have it right and yin is the very first example of your ability costs something yeah and every faction below here pretty much has an ability that costs you something. Right. And that is the mark of a, well, that's not as useful, is it? It's not just free stuff. It, right. It, you have to recognize what it's going to cost you before you use that. That's like the absolute definition of why devotion is a questionably good ability. It's right. like it, it has a major cost. Indoctrination also has a cost. So if you can use those abilities well, yes, of course you can do amazing with Yin. Right. But it's you you have to be on that level and other right. players can find ways to shut you down exactly um so there there's more you have to do to kind of protect your own advantage when yeah. you're playing as somebody like yin versus like basically any of the factions we've talked yeah. up to this point about um next faction we want to talk about is the barony of letnev um another meat and potatoes faction um very good with some with some problems, basically, yeah. I would say. Yeah, um, you mentioned it earlier, but that tech path thing can't be ignored. Yeah. Um, th they can obviously have a decent tech path, but the way I think of their tech path is it is a tech path that leads them to generic goodness. Yeah. You'll get Gravity Drive. You'll have Dread 2. Right. But, like, what is all of that in service of? You haven't unlocked some new crazy hidden potential yeah whereas everything above there's like a there's like a next level of what you accomplish when you do that perfect tech path barony right. is just like you're hoping to do the right tech path so that you can accomplish the tech path objectives right right um i think also the fact that so something something you brought up when we, we had a little a little back and forth about mm -hmm. l1 versus barony um before the show started and something you brought up that I, that really struck me is so Barony kind of has a lot of similar advantages to L1, right. but they are not they are not automatic. They're like like L1 has Harrow, obviously awesome ability um and and always going to be kind of crucial. Like mm -hmm. you can just imagine so many situations where like Harrow really made the difference. Right. Barony's kind of answer to that is their flagship, right. which can bypass planetary shield, which is awesome. Right. But you have to build the flagship. You have to build the and flagship. you only have that ability and, in one hex on the board and anyway. generally speaking 
I would say building your flagship mm-hmm. is not a good thing to do at high level play. Yeah. Essentially, definitely. if you do not have the unveil flagship secret objective, you're kind of just putting a, a point target. on the board for right. somebody. Now, the counter to that is Barony's flagship is notoriously difficult to kill. Yeah. But uh, still there. Still there. Yeah. It's still possible. Um, and the other thing too is, you know, it you can't secure it from direct hit. Right. So um it's still it's still something that's still happen. dangerous. And that's that's the general theme with all of Barony's stuff is that like, yeah, yeah, you ha- you can get the good thing, but like you gotta get NES and Duranium armor to get the really, really good power. Right. And that's super out of the way. Right. And so all of their superpowers that they can accomplish are too out of the way to be competitive in a highly skilled 10 point game right right you, you fall behind too quickly and i think they kind of belong where we've put them which is like pretty much dead center right because i think also similar to hakan um barony has a lot of wild potential there are a lot of games that we have and also we should say we have probably seen barony more than your average faction so yeah. we have a lot of barony data right and i feel like the barony data has essentially taught us yeah if things work out for Barony, it's they can pretty much put Crush. the whole game in a yeah. sleeper hold right. and just choke everybody out. Right. They have a lot of wins, but they also have even more plays. They have, yeah, <laughs> many, many, <laughs> many, many plays, many, many, many losses, and then like kind of an average amount of wins, right. I would say. Right. Um, and it really just depends on like, did they unlock Super Barony, which is difficult? Yeah. And again, think about it like contrasting them with L1. L1 has kind of unlocked all of its abilities from the beginning. Exactly. Barony, it's like, all right, we need to make these things happen. And, and skilled players can do it, but Tech Path is kind of a rough one. Like, yeah. getting around Tech Path is something that you you don't want to have to do, right. basically. Definitely. Last up in our B tier is one that I wanted to rate way higher. Mm-hmm. You wanted to rate way lower, and this was our. We found this compromise. Well, but I think this is exactly. Especially I think this with, is where they belong. With everything we just said about Barony, yeah. we're going to just transition very <laughs> right into Isaral tribes. Isaral. Uh, Isaral tribes. Let's start with the very first thing, and this is the yeah. first thing that you sold me on: is their tech path sucks. Yeah, uh, their tech is great, but their tech path is terrible. Yeah, and that that hurts in high level play. That hurts very very bad. And I feel like we haven't said that enough on this show because when I remember even on the tech path episode, we were like. Oh, it's Isaral so fun. You do. go down green. Right. And it's like, well, going down green is not good. Right. <laughs> like going down one color, recommending you go down one color is only gonna work if you're Joel Nar. Right. You get two secret objectives that way. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Um, you're not you're not getting any of the regular tech objectives. So we have to assume that a lot of the time Isaral is gonna have to play blue green right. instead of just green. Right. Uh and blue green Isaral. That doesn't that doesn't sound as good. No, it's basically. fine. Yeah, basically, it's yeah. B tier. It's right. B tier. We're not <laughs> saying they're bad. Ends up. Yeah. We're saying they might be a tad bit overrated. Yeah. Here's the other thing with Asarl. Asarl in lower level games, um, and especially like I think a lot of the games that that I play, because I'm not Hunter and I are not S tier players. Right. I think we both agree we're like about A tier players or B tier. Yeah, we are fine. We're, yeah, we're pretty good and we're knowledgeable. But in I'm like practice, bottom of the A tier. You're like top of the B tier. Right, That's how we. Do it. <laughs> um, so Isarl has this issue of in top tier games, the things, the surprises that they spring on lower level games. They're like, oh well, Isarl started stalling nonstop and then just won in one round. Mm-hmm. 
a group of top tier players will see that coming a mile away. The second Asaro spends a, sec- a, a single action card on a stall, the whole table will look at them and go, uh, Asaro's up to something because we've seen the Asaro trick before. Right. We know to now look for, okay, well, what possible secrets could they score? What things can they do? And they'll thwart it. It's like actually not that hard to stop an Asaro if you're actually paying attention to it. Right, them. right. Stalling is only really going to help you if nobody is has figured out what it is you're going to do. Right. If if you start stalling as a Sarl, but I can see and still have time to stop you doing right. your thing, then that's kind of it. And besides having a random action card draw that solid, that's kind of it for right. a Sarl as right. far as like winning. And generally speaking, higher level players maintain a, a very... Um, yeah. Action cards are a high priority in yeah. high level play. So Absolutely. everybody has a lot. Right. The fact that Sarl also has a lot isn't the wildest thing in the world. No, basically. they do have more, and they've cultivated a nice deck. Obviously, it's it's never, like, comfortable just, like, attacking into Asaro. You don't just get a free, you know, victory in combat against the Asaro, because they are going to have great action cards. Right. But that isn't enough to put them over the finish line. Right. And that's the big thing, is they, they are still reliable. They are still a good faction, but none of those things lead to, like, obvious victory. Right. Um, whereas I think in in a lower-level game, it feels like Asaro wins all the freaking time. Right. The fact that instinct training can kind of trump Isarl, yeah. and we haven't even talked about extra right. yet, uh, I feel like is a tell as to like where Isarl is right. basically in it. Um, still good, definitely not trying to say they're bad, but please don't please don't overreact. I think right. we just got done. the The B tier is us talking about. Well, not Yin though. I think Yin. yin I think most people can agree. Above, right? y- yeah. But Baron and Isarl, I think, are two factions we had to talk to back-to-back that we just feel like are a tad bit overrated. And I use the word tad bit. I'm right. not saying, like... Beatsy, <laughs> Right. We're, we're saying that... Well, again, that... both of these factions were ones that you and I put in wildly different spots. Right. You you weigh, you rated Barony way higher. I rated Barony way lower. Right. You rated Isaro way lower. I rated Isaro way higher. Right. And we found this middle ground because it is it is that kind of dynamic. Like, well, it depends on whose hands they're in. Right. And it depends on what the table lets them get away with. I think they're just both factions that are that are that can have a good day. And yep. you can imagine them having a good day pretty easily, but there's just like an asterisk or two yep. attached of like, yeah, 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 this is probably going to go pretty good, except if. Yeah, right. And then if is something that does happen. Right. So, yeah. And and that if is something that the other good players at the table are looking for. Yeah. They know to keep an eye on that thing to stop you. Yeah. I definitely completely agree with the like, Isarl's tricks um, are not, you know, they're it, they're not undefeatable. Yeah. And and a lot of high-level players are really good at reading each other yep. and seeing what, you know, things like counting up secret objectives, yeah. counting up what objectives you might... So the second you start stalling, or you don't even have to stall, yeah. people are people are much better at looking at just your board state and being right. like, all right, let's see what they might be going for, and can I anticipate that, and can I stop it? And Isarl needs to kind of attack people with their defenses lowered because they don't know yeah. what Isarl's going to do. Definitely. They depend on that secrecy, and that kind of goes out the window when everybody's really good. Yeah. Let's get into the really complicated stuff. Yeah, the fun, uh, the we're fun gonna tier. Do, we're going to start. We kind of said what is going on here, but we're going to start with C tier part one because there's just there's two classifications of C tier, and they don't get to be two separate tiers. It doesn't get right. to be a C and a D tier. That doesn't make sense because of how these factions just operate. Right. So C-tier part one is the underdogs. Underdogs. The factions that we routinely think of as being uh, not very good, but then they do decently well. They can they can have good victories. Yeah, I would say these are factions that overperform our expectation. 
Yeah. So we expect them to do really poorly, and I'm not saying they do amazingly well. Right. I'm saying they do better than we anticipate. Yeah. Um, and I think for both parts of this tier, there's a certain amount of uh, we're kind of playing around, and there's a little bit of uncertainty yeah. as to like what the answers are right. here, basically. Right. And if anything, that's what will that's kind of what makes them C tier factions. Is right. it's like if you can't just obviously define what makes a faction great. Obviously, it's not an S tier faction. Yeah, that's that's the whole reason those S and double S tiers exist is because you can just look at it and be like, oh, zero an initiative. It's great. Right. But with these ones, people that try to say they're amazing have to make these weird, crazy dissertations. There, where it's like, okay, I guess, like, yeah, there can be successes there, obviously, but we're not. That's not an obvious recipe for. Success. So with this first, uh, the first half of this C tier, the underdog half, um, it feels like the way that you need to approach these factions is really kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. It's not, it's not just leaning into their obvious no. um, skills because there's a lot of, they all have pitfalls basically. Absolutely. And yeah, and leaning into their obvious skills will actually sometimes lead you down a really bad path. Let's right. get some concrete details yeah, here. Yeah. Let's talk about the first one in our C tier part one is Embers of Muat. Now, I think that just surprised a that lot of people. That just freaked some people out. Maybe. Um, because normally we would put Muat like bottom four yeah. factions, bottom three factions right. maybe. But, I mean, obviously part of this is painted by we saw Muat crush in a game of last year's finals right. with the eventual winner of the tournament. Right. But that's, that. I mean, that's one that's game. That's anecdotal. I, yeah, that's very anecdotal. But the point that it, the lesson that is taught in that is in extremely high level play, no one is just gonna throw all their stuff at Muat's first war sun. Right. No one's sacrificing all of their fleet to try to take out Muat's fleet because they know that's gonna be bad. So Muat typically gets a chance to find its leg room, right? They they get to sort of work it out. Now they do still have a bad start. They have one unit that gets to take planets. So they have a hill to climb. But what we've seen with Muad is then in that late game, if left alone enough, which often they probably are, they can then just start taking more and more table presence. They can just move in on people, and there's very little answer that other people can have. Right. And it's not that hard for a Muat to hang on in the early game. Yeah. Um, I think getting Muat set up, obviously, is like critical and very, very difficult. Um, and I think we just have seen a lot of high-level play where somebody was... Somebody understood, like, hey, I need to make a kind of early risk yeah, here right. in order to set up so my mid-game isn't horrible, basically. Um, I would love to see more Muat games, yeah. I think, at high-level play, because I think there's a lot of potential there. God, yeah. I like my tummy hurts from yeah. saying all this nice right. stuff about Muat. <laughs> I, I still don't well, want to play them ever myself. I think the big again, problem is we so but... often see Muat in a prelims round of a tournament. And it's someone who doesn't knock it out of the park with Muat, right? Um, and it's because it—it's because Muat isn't an obviously good faction, right? But it is that—it's just that whole idea of you can get them online and do good things with them, but it really does take some very serious effort to make that happen. I mean, I think it comes down to—I uh, think tech skips. I think it's like yeah. someone someone coming into it being like, "I have a plan. Um, I know what tech like. Like, obviously, I need you know." a yellow tech skip right. or red tech skip, at least a red tech skip mm -hmm. um, in order to get to prototype war sun two, because right. I think that is like super essential for their late game. Yeah. Um, and I think in your average casual game, that might not be as possible. Right. Um, but I think somebody that's really good at mitigating risk and noticing when is the time to strike and things like that. Yeah. Um, 
they they are probably going to have more success with that basically yeah. and then they're going to have a ton of firepower in the late game right. to pull off some wild stuff yeah uh next up in our c tier part one is the extra kingdom yeah and this one was a tough one um right they have me. way overperformed yeah from i think what they should be um in all of our like tournament data right. from this <clears> year um they yeah they were the they were weird and I feel like they are still a very popular pick yeah um in like comp- in competitive play which is odd and I think honestly I think what I kind of want to hang my hat on is just how good instinct training is yeah it really does just come down to that it's just so good it's such a potent late game ability right. but it costs something <laughs> yeah mean, it costs that command it counter. does so if you have a bad command counter economy you're you're in trouble right the sure. other thing i would say is that extra if they prioritize trade can be kind of a like basically scoring all of the like yeah. spendy objectives pretty easily right. and maybe even like the high level spendy the, the yeah, stage definitely. two they can spendies. definitely do 16 resources 16 influence stuff the, the, the issue i always have with extra is i'm i'm, I'm still convinced that the only time extra wins is if the control objectives were like already in their slice. They have to get like kind of lucky with objectives. And maybe that's not wholly true. Right. You can look at Unaligned Magi's win in the semifinals last year as extra, and he did some stuff where he got outside of his slice to go get some control objectives. Right. He, he, he stretched a, a little bit thinner, and I can't even define how he did it. But he, he, he did manage to find those and then had easy paths to all the spendy objectives. Right. So right. there are paths there. But none of it is intuitive. Yeah. None of it. The things that you should do as extra don't lead to wins. Right. So you have to find weird other workarounds with extra, and that is incredibly difficult to define and find. And and so I think the players that find it are really good players that are working underneath the veil. You know, yeah. they're they're working and they're ju- they're just making things happen while players aren't playing paying attention to them. And it is specifically because the other players don't perceive extra as a threat that they then find a success. This tier in general is all about factions that we feel like have problems, but we have all of this weird anecdotal e- evidence of like times somebody made it work. Yeah. Basically. Definitely. Um and then our C tier part two is basically not is it's gonna the be the opposite, opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I th- I think we saw a lot of really good extra play in the tournament. Um and I think if extra is playing really smart, um, they can overcome those things. It's it's a lot of the same stuff that we're saying about Muat. It's yeah. like, so yeah, extra is not very good at control objectives. All right. But if you pick the right time to strike and you have the right action card in your yep. hand, then you can pull off a lot. Right. Um, and it's really just like, are players able to make that work or not? Yeah. Um, I, I think the similar thing to Barony, where we talked about the flagship being kind of like a, yeah, it's good, but man, is it, it's in only in one spot. Yeah. Extra's thing is the same thing, except for ex- their entire strategy is that. Is that. Their entire strategy yeah. is like the, the flagship's good. Where do, where do I put it? Where, how do I right. make that actually profit me in objectives? And how do bad I tech do that? path. I yeah. Mean, it's real, a pretty, yeah. it's not good. I would say even worse tech path than, uh, well, yeah, I would actually. I'm gonna go ahead and say worse, worse tech path than Muat. Yeah, because at least Muat they start with a red, yep. meaning if they can get some tech skips, they can eventually get to a really awesome tech. Yeah. Um, but they're still gonna get another red. You know what right. I mean? You're not gonna get two red skips. Right. You're gonna get one more red, and then yeah. you know. 
Yeah, I, I, Extra is just all. I I have the most complicated relationship in the world with Extra, and I'm still trying to figure out our guide for them. And it's <clears throat> I just don't know how to write it. I like it, it. It that is why they're that's why they're an underdog is because they're just this hard to define how they find victories yeah. faction. Yeah, like, that's always been true for them. Yeah, those of you with uh, you know what we haven't seen a good like extra like here's my extra deep dive personal. Guide I mean that's what that I, I want like to do. I, I have literally at this point now played Extra probably like 15 times that's crazy. working on this guy for for a year and a half mm-hmm. like trying to figure out this extra puzzle and it it still escapes me yeah well maybe it's uh diplomacy round one anyways <laughs> next faction we're going to talk about is oh my my buddies your new friends my sardak your new, nor your new, uh... i love them <laughs> they're just they're just fun yeah the bugs uh the sardak nor are are the epitome of underdogs. Sure. I would say. Yeah. I mean, they, they have this obvious tech path mm, problem. Worst start. Worst bad, start. Bad, bad have. start. And, uh, and, and yet, if you can diplomatically find your way, I mean, literally, like, listen to our recent Sardak guide, and yeah. you'll understand why we think Sardak is a C tier yeah. faction. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's kind of it. That's, it's just kind of like all of these Sardak ideas. And, and that's the thing, too, is we, we have, basically, we have a way that we, think makes Sardak better than a lot of people consider. And we're not even the only ones with our own ideas about it. Right. Like what I mean is like Vaunt has this like very developed mm-hmm. like here's here's what's good about Sardak. Right. And it even disagrees with what we think exactly. is good about Sardak. Right. And yeah, I th- I think if anything, Sardak is the number one underdog faction. Yeah. Like I wanted Sardak to be even a little bit uh, like higher in this tier. Yeah. And I and I was ta- and this was this is a communal thing. Um, but like, I, I think they're, they have, okay, here, here's how, here's how I'll contextualize it. So like Extra and Muat have like more, um, obvious things that are good, like in the early game and the mid game and the late game. I feel like Sardak is more like, oh my God, that early game is uh, a nightmare, a nightmare and more (laughs) of a nightmare than it is for those other two factions that we just talked about. But what they get, if you figure that out mm-hmm. is I think a more stable late game yeah. than the late game that you would have in a good extra game or a good move on game. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. I, I think the big thing comes down with Sardak is, is you, you can, you can do that reverse objective thing of like you focus on economy, then you focus on tech, then you focus on control, control. objectives. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. But boy, is that even harder to do in hyper competitive? Yeah. Because yeah. the hyper-competitive play is going to have locked down their control objectives. They're, right. they're going to find ways to prevent you from taking those control objectives. And that can be very, very difficult. So the players that I think have like a big a big like axe to grind with Sardak and people's perceptions of Sardak, where they're like, no, Sardak is actually great. Uh, we saw this last year with Evernoob. Evernoob wanted to play Sardak Nor in the tournament, and they, they, they had like a point to prove. Yeah. Um, that was the Statgate game. That was Statgate, yeah. which is a whole separate thing. But... But the Statgate game proved that, like, yeah, Sardak was good. The, and he, he was in a really good position. But there's still plenty of easy ways to thwart a Sardak. Yeah. And and when when the players are good and know what to do to stop you, you know, Sardak can do an amazingly well if you are the best player in your group. Uh, but if you are up against people all equally matched, they can, they can hold back a Sardak. I think it's telling that if we were to talk about two players that play – that either we we have it on the record them playing Sardak and doing mm. really well, or we have like somebody that just talks theoretically a lot about it, but we right. don't have a game on the record for them. 
Vaunt and Schroeder right. as two players that are like, oh no, Sardak is good. The thing that those two people have in common is that they are excellent above the table players. Right. They are meta players. Yeah. And you have to have that yeah. to, to, to accomplish it. And it's which, weird. Which means all you're doing is working against the things that Sardak is presenting you with. Yeah, thematically <laughs> it's almost like... You're a better player than Sardak is a good faction. Yeah, but... If you are a better player than Sardak as a good faction, you guys can team up yep. in the late game. Right. You, and, you Sardak and Sardak as a faction <laughs> and just have a blast. Right. Uh, so let's get into C-tier part two, which yeah. is to say these aren't underdogs. These are factions that people even more will always say, this is a great faction. What are you talking about? These guys are awesome and they're my favorite faction and I love playing as them. And then we never see them and win. And then they underperform pretty much ever. real bad. Uh, they, and, and I don't think either of us are going to have great answers for why this is the case. Right. But they always underperform. There's something wrong and we don't even necessarily know exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, especially considering, I mean, just like the... So these are factions that we have like plenty of data on. Right. People love to play these factions. We just don't see them do well right and we i think we both have theories as to why but right. we, we don't know for yeah. sure first one we're going to talk about is ghosts of Creus. Yeah. there is i feel like a whole and i love ghosts by the way yeah. like i i have ever since basically this whole year ghost has been like one of my favorite factions to play right um so i kind of i i kind of get where people are coming from that feel this way but there's this little cult i feel like of yeah. people that are just like i'm a ghost player I'm, and i'm good at ghosts and i get ghosts and they have their own little attractive quality. Yeah. So we get a lot of people that come into the tournament um, and they are, you know, um, they're projecting that they have this ghost expertise. And then we just don't see it happen. It just yep. doesn't happen. Right. And I don't, I feel like it has something to do with the fact that ghosts like qualities are, you're going to spread yourself thin. And I think spreading yourself thin is like the number one thing you can't right. get away with right. in high level play. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's it's literally like if you don't spread yourself thin with ghosts, then how are you making are you use doing? of the yeah. yeah. How are you actually accomplishing things with your abilities? You, right. You, it's another situation of working actively against what your faction is is naturally good at. Yeah. But uh so I I also feel like maybe the reason Ghost is here is because people talk about ghosts in this way and then we don't see right. the results. That also could be it. There could be like a meta thing happening. Yeah. I don't know. Um, what are your What are your thoughts? I mean, it's it's what you're describing is exactly why I have issues with ghosts, and and why in our first round of faction guides, ghosts was like the hardest thing ever for me to write. Oh because yeah, I kept failing with them. I couldn't I couldn't pull out a win with them because every time I would fall into some pitfall and it would all fall apart. And and you described this earlier of uh, so often you see a we see a player come into the tournament and they're like I'm a ghost player. You all buckle up and check out how this ghost game is going to go. And they, they get like a cool slice for ghosts and they pick ghosts. And then that's kind of the end of the story. Right. We don't see them do any amazing stuff because right. other players know how to get in the way of amazing stuff. They right. know how to – tricky factions, factions that rely on tricks don't succeed right. in high-level play. Yep. You yep. need solid, steady successes. That's Not true. just whimsical tricks. And that's what makes – Sorrel and Mentak and Ghosts all fun is they can be so tricky, right. but that doesn't win you games in high level play. Yeah, people you have to be conservative. If if the if part of the faction is they do tricks, then that's gonna that that has a lowered value yep. in a in hyper competitive circles. Yeah. I feel like yeah. Um, to I just mentioned them, but let's talk about the other C tier part two faction. It's the Mentak. Mentak. Uh, Mentak is one where we've all seen the game where Mentak 
is pillaging like crazy and then gets mirror computing and they're just this unstoppable force and it feels ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But we've also all seen the games where they never traded, they barely made any money, they couldn't quite get mirror computing because they had to focus on getting other, there were too many tech objectives and they had to focus on that. And it's and it's just a mess for them. Everything can just fall apart for Mentex so easily. Right. And they're, they're, they're such a difficult faction to talk about in the context of this. But I, I at one point when we were preparing this episode, I felt like thinking about Mentech is sort of like, what if Hakan only had quantum data hub node? Right. And that's kind of how I feel about Mentech. They have no other advantages. Is there's, they, they have this tech that they can get to that's a little bit out of the way that really helps them score objectives yeah. in like a major way. But that's kind of it. I mean, Ambush is cool, yeah. but Ambush, Ambush, I feel like, merely makes cruisers viable. Right. Like, as the meat and potatoes of your fleet. As interesting as Ambush is as an ability, and it is a cool ability, yeah. it does feel like all it basically does in the end is it makes cruisers more viable right. at high-level play, right. which is kind of, I feel like, a backhanded compliment a little bit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, cool, cruisers are a bit better for right. them. It's like, it's still not going to overcome factions that easily get to do your standard, like, so dreadnought backbone. Right. Yeah. Well, because it's always, it's just two shots with cruisers, and cruisers making up the majority of your fleet is, like, only middlingly good. Mm-hmm. Also, ambush is just annoying. Pillage is just annoying, which means you always have a meta problem. Right. The players who talk about being good with Mentac are ones who are, once again, doing things the opposite. Like, to play Mentac well, you have to not pillage, like, half the time. Right. You have to decide to just not use your ability. I like the stuff Mantis does sure. when he plays as Mentac. I feel like that's who we're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. I, I think all of those are uh, smart ideas. And if we had that awesome Mantis Mentac game where he right. did a bunch of unconventional stuff and won right. decisively, he, it, then Mentac would probably be in the same tier as Extra and right. Sardak. Here, here's, here, would be and my biggest, here would be my biggest point is uh, Mantis can do very well with Mentac. But is Mantis going to pick Mentac in the finals of a tournament? That's, no. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't and he won't. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I I I just don't I the players at the top tier know that like okay yeah I can find successes with that faction if I have to but I'm not going down that route if I don't have to right the other thing with Mentac is that you we we were touching on it but the mirror computing thing is like of course mirror computing isn't is a great tech but that's a huge tech path problem right it's the same problem as a sorrow right four yellow is in not the direction of anything right I mean you start with. The ability to get PDS2, which is kind of not in line with, like, what you really are doing with your faction in the first place. It's just there's no clear direction. There's no clear answer on what you're supposed to do. This Mentac is a perfect answer of something's wrong. Right. So this, this, this C tier 2 is I – don't, I don't know why, but, like, their stuff just doesn't coalesce into, right. like, a good, successful uh, faction. Yeah, it also – I mean, it could just – there's a meta problem, I think, with the fact that Mentac – is going to disrupt other players' deals, yep. but also, like, has mirror computing as an option. Right. Like, I think strong players just, like, they're not, they're going to play against that pretty hard. Right. Yeah, they're not, absolutely. they're not really going to allow that. Right. Um, but yeah, I totally invite some pro player to, like, play Mentech and do all this and unconventional stuff. The, and the then, right way. And yeah. then that would bump Mentech up. We just don't have it. That's, right. that's literally 
the only reason Ghosts of Mentec are in part two is because we don't have any anecdotal evidence of yeah. them being really good in yeah. certain situations. And before we move on from this C tier thing, I want to be very clear that I see these two tiers as beside each other. Yeah. I can't I can't call Ghosts and Mentec worse than Muat, Extra, and Sardak. Yeah. They, they just operate alongside each other um and that that's what leads us into the f tier so yeah. don't don't come at me being like how can you possibly put muat above ghosts because we didn't we yeah. didn't do that we nailed it right <laughs> that's true but also there's not that we don't want you to think that there's like a huge gap between c tier part one and c tier part two right like there there isn't that's there's why we no gap that. it's now adjacent speaking of huge gaps though i think there's another big jump <laughs> down to our final tier which is f tier these are factions with major hurdles yep. and fart noises. And big, stinky fart noises. And you know who it is. I mean, it's Winu and it's Arborak. Yeah, it's both but, of those. But the shocking revelation. It's not shocking. It's, no, no, this no. This is not shocking. The shocking revelation is who we've decided is a, is in the lead. Oh, I think I think Winu has it a little bit better than Arborak these yeah, days. Which That's is how I feel. weird. Um, but let's talk about Let's break that down. We're going to just talk about Winu and Arborek together because we yeah. all know why they suck. They have terrible home systems. They have bad starts. They don't even have enough money for tech round one. They right. don't even have enough units to expand well round one. It just stinks. Yeah. So the two arguments, the argument you make for Arborek, Arborek is if you can avoid the problems, similar to like Muat. Oh, Muat has kind of a bad start, but if you can get everything online, they're really great in the late game. Arborek has that quality, except for what is Arborek's late game success look like a ton of units yep lots of plastic lots of plastic cool what does winu's success look like if winu doesn't get bothered if winu is able to accomplish the things they want to accomplish it's points yep it's they got to mechatol they were uninhibited in that endeavor and now they're parked on mechatol and starting to get points right that's hard to do we're not saying that's an easy thing to accomplish right but the the two things with these two factions if if you overcome your major hurdle one of them gets points. The other one still has to find out how to get the points. Yep. And so Arborek is is our kind of dead last competitive faction. It's interesting because I think they're both very Mechatol-based factions. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like Arborek has the Achilles heel of like, yeah, um, they can pile a bunch of ground forces on there and then somebody plays Plague or like the, the table cooperates to get rid of them and we've just seen it happen too many times. Right. Whereas Winu's... Like, oh, they go for Mechatol and then they get kicked off of it. Winu has like a built-in, like, oh, I can get back onto Mechatol yeah, easier. right. That's and really it. It's a pretty small thing. Yeah. But still, Winu, Winu slight edge barely, this year. Just this, this year, year for now. Winu this has year for now. Edge. They're both in the bottom dumpster. They're just in the pit. Right. Um, But... You know, Winu is just barely standing on top of Arborek's toes. It's like staying with the logic of it. Um, We don't expect Winu and Arborek to do well at, in competitive play, and they haven't. Yep. There right. is one game where Winu won. Where Winu won. There are no games the where Arborek Winu won. The, the Winu Winu. The Winu Winu was a very cool game, Chicken and dinner. it was fun to watch, yep. and it was Space Wizard. Uh, who won that game? Who yeah. won the? Who was the winu winu? But that was the only time. <laughs> that was it. And, we, and, and, and we, that game and we, was very crazy. Yeah, very crazy. We also have evidence of a great Arborek player. We love Jimbov. We've yep. seen Jimbov in two tournaments as Arborek do incredibly well. Neither time could he find the victory. Though. Right. And that right. is telling. And and that's like in no way discrediting Jimbov. He did like everything he could do yeah. with that faction. Right. And still came up short because right. Arborek is. Just so hard. So here, so here are, and, and I like one thing I like about doing this episode is it feels like we're kind of throwing out some 
some potential goals for random people sure. in the coming people, tournament. People who are looking to come into the tournament and maybe don't want to just win, but want to do something crazy. Yeah. So obviously, if you if there's a second Winu Winu, there's Winu Winu Part Two, yep. Electric Winaloo. Right. Um, <laughs> then we will remember that game forever. Yes, yeah. If you win a game in the tournament as Arborek, we will remember that game. Yeah, forever. that'll be like the first Arborek win I've seen. If in a you win as setting. Ghosts, we will probably remember it, yep. and it will probably be very informative into the next tier list. Yep. Uh, Mentax, same story. Yep. These are, I would say, these are the four factions that were real. And still, if you want a Muat game, if you want as Muat, we would That's probably be like, be wow. Notable. And Sardak, extra, extra, not so much. Extra, extra is just so weird. Yeah, I don't get why extra. Of wins. all of the back half factions, I refuse to accept that extra wins. Right. I actually think there might be a world where extra is actually a B tier faction, and we are just not <laughs> getting. <clears throat> Stat wise, they should be. It just doesn't make sense to us. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was uh, that, that was, was this year's tier list. That was the 2019 tier list. Um, I'm really excited to get a bunch of um, data, Just, yeah, <laughs> to definitely. look at you know how these factions play out um, in the next tournament. Yeah, I'm curious how the new um, format will change up the data. Yeah, um, because this one leans way more into selection order and things like that. Last year, I mean, the data was is kind of off the rails because. Yeah, we have one set map, but then everything else has sort of semi-random things to it. Whereas this one is like, it, it feels way more baked in right. what the approach to the the draft is. So I, I'm excited to see what that data comes out on the other side looking yep. like. Yep, yep. All right, well, that is the first part of the episode. Um, and for the second part of this episode, we have uh, basically a bunch of announcements. Yeah. Um, very, very cool stuff. This is a very like... Um, I would call this kind of the shareholders meeting <laughs> yep. part of the episode <laughs> where we talk about going into next year and what our what our hopes and dreams are. Yeah. Um, first thing I want to talk about is the show, yeah. uh, Space Cats Beast Turtles. It's canceled. This is the last episode. Oh, no. Bye. Just kidding. You, Just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> um, but we want to kind of change the structure of the show a little bit. A little bit. Not even just we want to. We kind of have to. Yeah. We're, we're getting to this critical mass. So we're getting to a point now where we're looking at the year, and there's 52 episodes we do a year. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, that doesn't feel like enough episodes. Yeah. Like, it literally feels <laughs> like we need right. more. Because we have, so we have this weird mixture, and I think we were comfortable with this for a while, but now it's kind of changing. Yeah. We have this weird mixture of, like, a lot of very deep strategy yep. heavy episodes right. and then kind of the more meandery fun yeah. theory crafty all over the place episodes and we want we want those things to be married we want those things to right. to go together um so essentially um as far as the show monthly yeah. the first episode of every month is going to stay a galactic council episode and those are going to get like we are going to make sure that we are always doing that first of the month right um because we want we want this show to still have that kind of yeah. fun exploratory well, we're going to get better too. about getting ahead of those things too. yes because you're full-time you can get those polls out a month ahead of time there will be more conversations going on throughout yeah. the, rather than it being like a it's thursday hunter and i are recording on saturday let's get a galactic council poll out there exactly we're not we're going to be able to step away we're from not that doing that anymore um essentially uh the way the way galactic council episodes will work from now on is we're 
will vote on them. The council will vote. Um, I'm probably going to do like three choices based yeah. on whatever the Galactic Council is talking about at the moment and right. also like just ideas that we have that we think are good. Um, there will be three. Uh, the, the choices for the next poll will be announced at the end of the episode for like for a month ahead. So there, was, yeah. so there will be a whole month cycle with Galactic Council episodes that will, I think, make them um, just like it will just give everybody a good opportunity to actually use their yeah. privilege in like voting on that, right. which I think is important. Well, and my favorite thing about Galactic Council episodes is they always end up being topics that you and I wouldn't have thought to cover, whether it be something we thought was so basic that didn't need covering, but then because it was kind of put in our faces, we were like, oh, wait, there's a lot to actually – like the agenda phase strategy thing here was right. one I don't think we would have ever thought to cover, but then we did it, and that was like – very fun episode. Very fun episode, and, and one that lots of I mean lots of people downloaded that one because right. it's, that's actually very useful information. So I think we require Galactic Council episodes from you all because uh, we need to know what things we haven't touched on. What what are yes. we missing? Because Hunter and I don't know every single thing we need to talk about. Yes, um, and yeah. So I just I also want to encourage people that are Galactic Counselors, or if you become a Galactic Counselor, to continue like proposing yes. episodes in that channel that is kind of the purpose of that channel for right. you to Don't say like wait hey for us to put out a, a, a request for topics yes just let it just that's where you go to throw out topic ideas yeah. um and i'm planning on uh paying close attention to how certain topics perform in polls yeah. if it's a really close one between two topics, I might let the next topic fall into the next mm -hmm. um, poll. But what I don't want to do is basically have, because this is what it felt like. Galactic Council episodes kind of felt like we had this long list of episodes. Yeah. And we were just going to slowly cover them by order of popularity yeah. until we were eventually doing the not very popular Homebrew ones. got third or fourth place like a dozen times. And that's the lesson of like, hey, guess what? Turns out we don't need a homebrew episode. Right. Like, turns if out... If you all it, want the homebrew not... episode, vote for it. But well, it's not going to happen. And there will be, I yeah. guarantee you, there will be a point where it feels like it's the right time to do it. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, it's just exactly. about timing. Yep. It's just about like, when, when is it time care? to talk about homebrew? Yeah. And it just hasn't been that time yet. But I guarantee you it will happen. Um, so what about all the other episodes every month? Well, um, we want them for a while. And I mean, there will, there will be points where I think the way the structure of the show is going to be lots of strategy heavy episodes where yeah. they're either guides or overviews, right. um, relating to TI, Dune, and even Rue, yep. all three of those, um, and the way a, a single episode of that will be structured is that there's going to be a main part of the episode where we do either a guide or an overview, yep. and then a smaller segment. Yeah. So, like, let's say it's a Dune episode. One thing that I don't want this show to be is that it's a lot of different audiences that don't care to overlap. Yep. I don't want that. Yeah. So that's not fun. If it's a Dune episode, you can expect that the smaller segment is probably going to relate to Twilight Imperium. Right. So imagine like, you know, our big long discussions, our hour plus discussions devoted to whatever the primary game the is. The Harkonnen Guide. Yeah. But then the Harkonnen Guide on the back end of that is now going to have an added segment of like, hey, don't we're going to still talk about some TI stuff. In, in this next month, it's probably going to be a lot of like, let's get some guides done, but then let's have a section of the episode that's talking about all the tournament action yeah. that's been going yeah. on so far. Oh, yeah, because it's good to mention right now, like... The goal is for this weekend to be the first weekend of the tournament. Yeah. Now it's it's gonna be a Dickens. It's gonna be a shaky start. I guarantee yeah. you, it's not gonna hit the ground running. Yeah. But we are. There's definitely gonna be something to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, I would imagine probably for the next couple months, even yeah. that the a lot of the tournament discussion will be relegated to this smaller segment. Right. Oh, and then and then so so imagine basically the way episodes work from now on is there's this main 
strategy chunk that yeah. just gives you just the really, really good Space Cats content. Our favorite stuff to write. Yeah, too. our I favorite mean, stuff to write. And honestly, the stuff that's harder for us to do. Yeah. Like, we, we want to we make it where the show is just always the hits, the yeah. stuff we really like. Right. And then smaller off-topic segment that lets us, like, get a little loosey-goosey. And then ending with errata. Errata yeah. is not going anywhere. No, that is not. that is our mailbag um, section of the show that basically never stops. And, yeah, that is we, we live and die by that yeah, section of definitely. it. Yeah, um, now we need to talk about the Patreon structure. Yes, because it is it is about to get uh, a very big overhaul. Um, I would say everything you're about to hear is ninety five percent final. In that, maybe small parts of it will be edited in between the recording of this and the actual. I, I we, we plan to launch this January first, right? Where it's like we, the new year kicks in, and then here is what the structure right. is now, right? All right, so going into our Patreon structure, um, we're going to start with the first tier, our uh, Patreoners. Not changing that name. Never will change that name. Uh, they're, they are Patreoners, and that's through how you say it. Um, I'm just going to kind of read. This is this is an overview of each tier. Um, so the Patreoners essentially, um, backbone of the show, huge difference I feel like the Patreoners make. Um, so many of our patrons, yeah. or our patrons, um, are Patreoners. Um, and we're changing this tier to be all about pre-errata. Yeah. Essentially, the Patreoner text channel on our Discord will be, here is next week's episode. Yep. Do you have anything that you want to throw at us before it even comes out with the idea that you are sort of helping us build the script for the episode, yep. but also that you will get the credit for that point. Yeah. This is not even, this is not like, oh, we wait till the errata to credit you. This is literally in the episode. Yeah. If we use one of your bits, like we have in the past, think, we've kind of gotten about into. Simpson's cheesy bread and the barony guide. Yes. You know, he, he had such a good point to talk about. He got an entire segment of that guide. Right. Uh, it'll, it, it won't always be that big, but yeah, if you've got such a great nugget that we hadn't considered at all, we, we will make sure you're you're included in that. Yeah. And and so also that is what the Patreoner text channel will be devoted yes. to. So every week you will hear, hey, here's the next thing we're going to cover. Do you have your thoughts? Like share them with us. Right. And then, yeah, you get credit. That's cool. Um, Galactic counselors are essentially um, staying the same. We actually sort of already covered everything that's yeah. kind of changing with Galactic counselors, which is to say that it's pretty much the same tier we're gonna get more consistent with it. right right oh and also i should be mentioning like the it's not like the, the prices are not changing yeah. uh, patreoner is one dollar galactic counselor is five dollars um the next tier is a pretty big changing one yes um because i'm changing so i'm kind of taking control of the next tier and i'm changing it from the steve martin fan club <laughs> because that joke is old and that that Steve Martin poster isn't, isn't even, even up in, in this room, room anymore. anymore. It's gone. He got rid of it. He did. That's how much we don't care about Steve Martin anymore. And also, you know what? Just to throw a, qu a little bit of shade. We had people tweet at Steve Martin for years. Yeah. And he never, never, ever once responded. He never responded. It doesn't seem like he cares about Twilight Imperium that much anymore. Or anymore. <laughs> we can't say he might like it. Yeah. But he but, hasn't been in the scene. And he just for won't even say hi. And it's, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so we've decided to rename um, our third tier from the Steve Martin fan club to the Hunter Donaldson fan club. Um, hi, I'm Hunter Everyone's Donaldson. Everyone's second favorite comedian. My, yeah, your second favorite. Because we couldn't get Steve. Um, and we were we were talking about the people that we had. And we were like, well, we could ask me. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. And then I asked me. And I said yes. Okay. Um, 
So 100 Awesome Fan Club, um, if you're in the 100 Awesome Fan Club, you are the main uh, producers for all SCPT video content. It is going to be a completely video-themed tier. Um, club membership will provide you special access to every stream and our back catalog starting in January of 2020. Yep. So essentially, um, as I have been getting more and more into video content, I've learned that not everything that I record is worthy of being preserved in amber forever. Right. However, they are all games. And for those of you that really like to watch Twilight Imperium, you will have access to everything that I record. I'm going to put it in a, a folder that you uh, will be giving access to probably through Google Drive, I think yeah. um, is probably the plan right now, but you will have access to it. Um, members will also be giving access to uh, their special Discord channel for the Clubhouse, which yep. is the same as now. Um, but you will get to vote once a month uh, for a game for me to play on Twitch yep. live, and I'm going to be giving a Friday night to this. So one Friday night when basically most all people are available to yep. watch. Um, I will basically play whatever you want. I will play a Franken game yeah. of Twilight Imperium because uh, they do those on Friday nights. So right. that's probably something that will happen. That'll happen a lot. Yeah. I'll also play like anything. I'll play whatever. It'll. It's like a Galactic Council episode, but it's me playing a game live. Yeah. Um, and there are it, obviously limits to this. Uh, we can't go track down some 18xx game that is like a rarity. Oh yeah, like, I have I, to be we, able to get it. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be stuff that can be done with with relative ease. But but yes, I would expect it to. It, it's going to work a lot like Galactic Counselor episodes work, in which if you're in the clubhouse, you can basically propose whatever you want. But I will kind of like make the right. I will I will make the right uh, choices and yeah. give like all right here I will do one of these three things mm -hmm. for this Friday. Um, and then obviously, uh, if it's good, it will end up on the YouTube. If it's not, it will end up in the folder right. where and you will have access. To, well, you'll right. have, well, you'll be Did, able to well, get it. And forever. can we define good a little bit more too? Cause I don't want people to get offended if they've ever been a game with you and then you didn't put it on YouTube. I don't want them to think like, well, that, we think that that game was trash. No, 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 It's no. that we really want the YouTube stuff to be these like, especially, we want them to be games that people come and look at and are incredibly encouraged to join our community. Yeah. Those, those games are for outsiders. Right. So the Steve Martin fan club is if you're an insider and you just want to watch games. You just right. want to be a part of every game that happens. Right. But the ones that are on our normal public YouTube are like, they can't just be like a, a stream of of TTS because like that turns a lot of people away actually it's, yeah. it's not inviting for new players to not have any idea what's going on yeah I mean have just to, to I, I feel like you guys should have a little sympathy for us in that doing video content of Twilight Imperium is very tricky because yeah. I think there's probably a, a lot of people balance. that listen to the show that are like I'm not going to watch a whole game of Twilight Imperium that I'm I not playing. I don't do that yeah. when other people stream <laughs> I don't watch all of your stream right like, I, I just don't right and some people do, and I think the the Hunter Donaldson fan club is for that, and it's yeah. also for getting me to do stuff on a Friday night, yeah, for um, sure. which is uh, super cool. Um, that tier, how much does that one cost? Ten. Ten. Uh, so that is our ten dollar tier. Um, Next up is the Good Yin Brotherhood, yeah. which is the twenty five tier. Very little change there, yeah, except for the framing of how we're putting it, because. Uh, you all are amazing, and there's uh, more and more of you in the Good Yin Brotherhood every day. Uh, and that makes it to where we just need to make sure people understand that we can't guarantee you a game that we will play with you on Tabletop Simulator because that would mean that we would have to play literally like every other day constantly to, right. get, to, to get all those games in. But what it is is the Goodyear Brotherhood is always approached first. Yes. If we're playing a game with, with 
people in the community. We never just jump on the Tabletop Simulator uh, Discord and like try to find players for a game. We always start with the Goodyear Brotherhood. And then we honestly, from there, we work our way down. We always go Goodyear Brotherhood. We give it a day or two or how, whatever amount of time of lead up we have. Then we hit up the Steve Martin Fan Club. Then we hit up the Galactic Council. But if you want that first access to get in on games where you play with us... It's the 25-tier Goodyear Brotherhood. Right. We also plan games with the Goodyear Brotherhood like ahead of time. Ahead so of like time. generally, if we're going to go to the lower tiers, it's because we're looking for someone to fill fill gaps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Goodyear Brotherhood games will basically stay the same. Um, I I will say that if you're thinking about joining the Goodyear Brotherhood, uh, most of the time these games are played on Saturdays or Sundays during the day by U.S. time zone yeah. type stuff. Right. Um, obviously... Trying to play Gideon Brotherhood games while the tournament is going on is really tricky, yeah. but we still will make it happen. Right. Um, so yeah, Gideon Brotherhood is is like probably my favorite tier of it the is, Patreon, sure. and there was basically nothing that we felt like we needed to change, except for we just felt the wording was strange when we were saying like every three months we'll play a game with you. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly that you will you will get access to playing with us more often than three than than, than once every three months right like like if There's you're paying attention Goodyear brotherhood members that we play with them like once a month <laughs> yeah we play with Goodyear brotherhood people basically all the time um it's just more about like are you available yeah, basically right, right. um and then the next tier this is the this is the troublesome interesting tier yeah there's, um, a, there's a conversation that has to be had here, right basically. um uh, I will. Oh, also, I just want to make sure I'm keeping up with the prices. Gideon Brotherhood pricing isn't isn't changing. Nope. It's twenty five dollars. It's been twenty five dollars. It will be twenty five dollars. Um, next year, Space Kitties, uh, same price, fifty dollars. Um, and also, if you kind of keep with the theme, um, after Galactic Counselor, uh, Hundred Awesome Fan Club, those, uh, the people in that tier are basically like. Uh, video producers, yeah. Gideon Brotherhood. I like to think of them as like cast members. Right. Like they're like in the cast. They're right. part of games. They're on, you know, they appear on stream playing. Absolutely. And then the Space Kitties are like associate producers. Right. Um, so we've we've changed this one quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and let's just go ahead and talk about the problem outright. Yes. The problem was when we made the Patreon, we made the Space Kitty thing, we didn't think many Anyone people were going to do, do it. it. Yeah. yeah. If anybody. When Jada Paik was the very first one and mm -hmm. it blew our minds. Yeah. And then when Billy came around, it was like, what is going on? Yeah. How is this possible? Like, and it has only ballooned more and more from there. Right. So it's, it's a similar problem to the Goodyear Brotherhood, which is like the best kind of problem we have is like, you are all anxious to get in on this stuff. Yeah. But as we said earlier, we only do 52 episodes a year. Right. And now we have literally more space like every single episode would be a space kitty if we wanted to catch up on like our backlog of space kitty episodes we would be doing nothing but space kitty episodes through the entirety yep. of 2020 yeah um so the and and we're not trying to get out of any no. like we promise them that so that is the like that is law but we can't promise any more people that basically um so the idea of the space kitty episode uh it's not like we're never going to do episodes like that anymore yeah it's that we can't we can't just have that be an option that you can opt into to yeah. where we basically owe you that right. um, because there's only 52 episodes a year. Right. There's only 52 weeks a year. We can't, we, 
We literally can't pump out this show fast right. enough for y'all. And they are routinely hard to organize. We yes. have to get with people that maybe don't have recording equipment and get and get our schedules all to align. Hunter and I, two people, it's easy for us to schedule our, our to, to work with our schedules. Adding a third person to the mix always causes a lot of hiccups, which means not only do we have to try to get these episodes out in a timely manner, but it's impossible to get them out in a timely yeah. manner. They, yeah. It is always, there are multiple Space Kitties where we worked on getting their Space Kitty done for like four months before yeah. we found an actual opportunity to do the recording yeah now we've uh we've already talked to space kitties on the discord channel about this by the by the time this Mm -hmm. episode is released um but i just want to say it here if you're listening and haven't seen the discord yet um if you are a space kitty essentially you're going to be given a choice of like you can either still get your space kitty episode because we promised you that we're going to get you that um with just the understanding of like it's going to take as long as it takes but we'll get it done right um or you will get access to a new tier yes. that is actually above the Space Kitty right. tier. And I don't want free admission to the new tier. Uh, yes. Basically, yeah, a, a, a one-time subscription to the new tier for free. Yeah. So you can essentially, those those are your choices, basically. Um, and we will work with you to figure it out. Um, so if you are a Space Kitty, check out the Discord, yeah. uh, send me a meta message, and we will talk to you about it. But I should actually outline what the new Space Kitty does entail, because it's not like it doesn't entail anything. Right. It is it's, still it's, good and fun, but it's different. <laughs> it's a completely different thing now. Um, so Space Kitties are the associate producers of Space Cats, Peace Turtles. As such, each... Space Kitty is credited at the end of every episode of the show while they are a kitty. Um, We will reach out to you to ask how you would like to be credited. As associate producers, you will be given access to every single episode outline of the show uh, for life. I'm just going to let you have this access where you basically get to see all of our behind the scenes stuff. And I'm never going to delete it. If you right. if you do it once, I'm just going to add you to it, and then there you go. Um, this access includes every old episode of the show and even new episodes that are in development. This access includes um, uh, access to our production calendar, so you can see all of the episodes that we have uh, in development in the future. Yeah. So you basically get to see the whole scope of the show. You basically get to see every single thing that me and Matt see. Right. Um, and each year, this is the big thing. This yeah. is This is the different thing. Um, each year, we will be awarding our Space Kitties with an official Space Kitty swag. Um, we are, essentially, this is my way of backdoor announcing that we are getting into merch, merch, um, and we are integrating it with, uh, the Patreon. Um, so for 2020, if you're a Space Kitty at any time, we're gonna send you, um, right now, I really want it to be a pin. It might end up being a patch. It's gonna be some sort of way to display that you are a Space Kitty. Um, some sort of accessory type, Mm -hmm. um, thing. We don't have it completely locked down. Uh, I am talking to someone that owns a pin company right now. Um, this, like everything else we do that is new, is the kind of thing where I'm promising you it will get done. Right. It, we'll it, find a way. We'll find a we way. We just don't know And this, this is for ev- anyone that is a Space Kitty for all of 2020, you are going to get this thing. Yeah. I don't care if I have to bring it to you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. I'm going to make it happen. Right. Um, and yeah, so that is uh, that is the Space Kitties. You're essentially uh, getting an unprecedented level of access to us yeah. and everything that the show is. The other thing that's not like as specifically involved, but has always been true with Space Kitties is the Space Kitties chat is one where we definitely are very open with information about upcoming right. stuff. We always talk, we'll talk multiple weeks ahead of time about what 
we're thinking about doing, what topics are going to be coming up. And we're probably going to do even more of that now. Right. Uh, we, we'll get if, – if the Patreoners now have access to the information a week ahead of time, Space Kitties, it's like you get the whole calendar. You just know what when everything's coming up and get in there and talk to us and whatever. It, it is just that associate producer level of knowledge of just be a part of – kind of helping us talk about the show. Also, the other small behind-closed-door stuff is, like, uh, technically Space Kitties have mod access on, right. on uh, the Discord. You, right. you, you help us pin so – you can pin stuff in Mean Town. Yes. There's all kinds of things like that that Space Kitties are able to uh, help us with. So you become just, like, a, a really integral part of the show and the community. Right, right. All right. Now Uh-oh. we have the new tier. The new tier. Um, this is uh, This is hopefully – the goal with this tier is for it to be the actual very high dollar amount that right. almost that no one does, that not, that not everybody <laughs> is doing, um, because that would kind of defeat the point. But we do, we do. I don't. I just. I, I think this is a good time to just say thank you to everyone that supports thank our you. Patreon because it is it is ridiculous the it's amount of support that we get through it, um, and we know that there are those that want to do more. They're always looking for opportunities to do more. This isn't me saying, I've gifted you with the opportunity to do more for us. But it is a saying, like, if you really have been looking for more ways to get involved with the show, uh, we're, we're going to do that. Right. Um, so here's the thing. So we got rid of Space Kitty episodes. The idea of user-submitted yeah. – or user-submitted. User-submitted? <laughs> what is this, submitted. a tool? that Listener-submitted, like – segments is still a very attractive idea to us it needs to be gated somewhat yep. we can't have too much of it right. and i also want it to feel more like so one thing about the space kitties that i thought was weird was that if you give the 50 dollars once then it's like you get access to this episode um which actually feels like a big a big ask yeah. of us right. and actually all the other listeners that yes. like now there's this one episode that comes out that only relates to a space kitty and what and what they wanted basically. So I wanted it to be a little more integrated and also a little less about like oh you'd just be giving all the time. This is like you kind of give to this tier and then you get your stuff and then like you're good right. basically. Right. Um so it's a new tier it's called the Weird Bears mm-hmm. um because I feel like it's our favorite Thing, thing that the show has is the <laughs> weird bears um it's a 100 dollars tier the weird bears are our creative partners on the show mm-hmm. you will get the right to your own segment do you remember how i was talking about how the show is going to be a big segment and then a little segment a weird bear can basically take that little segment and be like here's my idea here's what i want um you guys to talk about yeah um once uh, once every time you are a weird bear, um, you'll basically get to see our calendar because you're a weird bear. You're, you're also a space kitty. Each yep. tier gets all the lower tier benefits. So you can see like, hey, they're going to be talking about this. Um, I want to throw in this bonus segment that works alongside the episode. Right. And we're pretty willing to stretch that. If yeah. there are some space kitties out there that we are that are willing to be like, all right, I'm going to get my free upgrade to being a weird bear um, once to be able to do this weird bear trick. Yeah. Um, we will probably be a lot looser with that requirement for you. Like if you're like, all right, I basically want to do my space kitty episode, but it's a short a segment. segment. Yeah. yeah. It's a short segment. Um, and then that would be fine. That sounds yeah. perfect. Um, Another big part of uh, this weird bear thing is a shirt. Um, we are going Shirts. to get into, again, so we're getting into merch for the Space Kitty swag for the weird bears. There is going to be a yearly 
Official sh- weird bear shirt. Official weird the, bear the shirt. Pin, the, pin, the pin might be like like the the idea with our merch, which we don't have that shop up yet. Right. But the idea with the merch is like there's gonna be merch that anybody can just go and get. But right. there's gonna be some exclusive merch that nobody gets unless you've done the Space Kitty thing or the Weird Bear thing. So there's exactly. gonna be a shirt that is a hundred percent exclusive to Weird Bears. It'll say like Weird Bear on it or what like it'll be it'll be your thing. It'll be your special thing because you're part of the most uh the, the our favorite people in the world. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so it is essentially your opportunity to get some input on the show, and you also get a shirt. Yep. Um, and yeah, please don't break the door down on that tier, because then it will be like the same do. situation. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't anticipate that no, happening. definitely not. Um, and also, like, part of why I wanted this tier to exist is because I wanted to be able to offer the current Space Kitties something more, yes, basically. absolutely. Um, but yeah, in order to support it, this this is... This is just structure for now. Yeah. So any and all feedback on this, totally, please, yeah, totally give that to us. Um, this goes live uh, January first. Um, there will probably be like, I mean, like I said, it's like ninety five percent done. Um, there might be a little change here and there. We yeah. will talk to you about it. Absolutely. Um, and we will have. Uh, if you're hearing this. Um, and you're a space kitty and you haven't seen the discord yet come check out the discord because right. we will be talking uh, to you about yeah. all of these changes and everything for sure let's do that was like kind of like a super rundown yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna just slam us through yeah, slam a us basic through the- rundown of course we just talked about patreon please join our patreon please join our discord get a- involved in the community be a part of all of this uh the galactic counselors right now are voting on if you want to play our profile of the nine of spades or if you want to do a mock draft of the 2020 SP tournament or if you want us to just not talk about board games at all we can talk about our favorite media those are the three options right now for the galactic council uh Everyone who's involved in the tournament, continue looking out for scheduling emails. They just kind of come, they roll out on a gradual basis. So don't expect a thing in your inbox January 1st, but be be on the lookout kind of routinely. Uh, We'll we'll be consistently sending out emails to get people in on games, um, especially prepping games for the weekends. But we'll find other opportunities to squeeze in games as well. Uh, The Holiday Spectacular... And a bunch of stuff from this month of Hunter being in December is getting thrown up onto the YouTube. So be keeping an eye out for some Root games, some Dune games, uh, the TI Holiday Spectacular, everything. So please keep an eye on our YouTube and, and be on the lookout on our Twitch for other games that Hunter's doing live. Um, the hol- I will say this, Holiday Spectacular, if you're hearing this episode right now, should already be on YouTube. Yeah. Uh-oh, Hunter, just locked you into that. <laughs> Looks like you got <laughs> it now, buddy. It. That's uh, what you're doing on Monday. <laughs> uh, so also, please rate us on Apple uh, Podcasts iTunes, it increases our visibility, gets more people playing TI, gets people playing Root and Dune, gets people involved in the show, and just makes for a better community all around. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Space Cats Pod, Facebook, uh, Space Cats Peace Turtles, and join our Discord to get your Patreon perks. If you link your Patreon to your Discord through your Patreon settings, you can get access to all the important Discord channels we just talked about in this episode. Uh, but also, the Discord is free for anybody. There's all kinds of other channels that are for anybody to get in on. Um, so come, please, just be a part of the fun. And then that's it. We did it. And we then that's finished it. 2019 with a bang. That's it. We 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 finished. The 2019 is done. It's over. And it's it's over. This is this is it's the 31st. And we nailed it. And we nailed it. We nailed 2019 because of our action card episode and this one. Everything else, honestly, a little sloppy. But action card episode, this episode, no prisoners. You know what I mean? I don't take them. 
Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.